we are going to talk about hacking the hiring process. I have reviewed thousands of candidates and interviewed hundreds only to find a few things that really stand out to me as an employer. And so we are going to talk about the 10 things that any person can do to differentiate themselves in the hiring process. It is not guaranteed to add up to a job. However, so much of standing out in the hiring process is about making an impression and being remembered. And each of these things, when done together, could absolutely stand out in the mind of an employer and make the difference of getting a job. Welcome to Effectively Human, where we discuss how to close a knowledge gap between technology and the people who use it. Each week, your host, Morgan Lopes, will share real-life practical tools on how to bridge the gap. Let's jump in. First lesson is make an impression. Find something about you that is unique, that stands out. It does not have to be specific to technology. My favorite go-to is my experience from medieval times. Back in the day, I used to work as the chancellor to the king. And I've found that bringing that up is an incredible way to make an impression. It is one thing that people are not soon to forget. Now, we can be reluctant to do this because it feels like it has nothing to do with tech. And aren't we interviewing for a technology job? While yes, we are interviewing for one role, ultimately we are talking to people. And people connect on things outside of just the job that you are hiring for. It has the added benefit of making you seem way more relatable. When we think about making an impression, there is a spectrum here. The spectrum is somewhere between very compelling and kind of creepy. So you can make an impression that is very endearing and connects people to you even more. And then, you know, there's somewhere down the line of uh, being kind of creepy and a little bit too much. And so, yes, showing up at somebody's house and hand delivering something uh, is making an impression, but it might come off a little creepy. There are absolutely ways of making an impression that aren't creepy. The next lesson is to invest in appearance. Now, much of work today is done virtually, and so there's a very good chance that you will be interviewing remotely. If that's the case, there are still ways that you can invest in your appearance. Here are a few ways to improve your appearance, even if you're on a video call. Improve your background remove a lot of visual distractions, have it simple and clean. The next is lighting, both your background and your foreground. Having uh, lighting be very intentional is another way of improving your appearance. It could be as simple as adding a lamp right behind your camera so that your face is lit a little bit better. Raise the height of your camera. If you're using a laptop, getting a stand or something that puts the camera closer to eye level is a great way of improving your appearance and making it feel a little bit more like you are talking directly to someone. Next is your clothes. You can still be intentional about what you're wearing, even though you're being seen through a screen. And the last piece that I have here when it comes to improving your appearance is posture. Sitting up straight, shoulders back, head straight toward the camera absolutely comes across for the person on the other side of the screen. Lesson three is follow-up. At New Story, we actually started using follow-up as the number one way of disqualifying candidates in the hiring process. If we begin the interview process and a candidate doesn't follow up, it's immediate disqualification. 
when I'm coaching people about follow-up and how to do it well, there are a few rules that I like to play by. Follow-up with everyone, follow-up every time, and follow-up by the end of the day. Those are three things that you can do in the interview process that absolutely stand out to an employer. There have been plenty of times where a candidate will follow up and actually a very personal message will be addressed directly to one of the people they interviewed with and immediately we start comparing notes. Hey, did you get an email from this person as well? They wrote a pretty thoughtful email. Did they make a thoughtful email to you or they just copy and paste, right? We begin comparing these notes and the candidates that really stand out are the ones who followed up with each person they met with every time they met with them. And that follow-up comes pretty quickly after we met. Lesson four, come prepared. The interview process is a lot like dating. And if a candidate isn't going to come prepared to the interview, then what makes us think that they would come prepared to the job that we are hiring them to do? A few ways that you can come prepared to an interview. First is with questions. Have questions for the employer. The next, know people's names. A lot of companies today have every team member on their website. And knowing the people that you are going to meet with and doing a little bit of research on the people you're talking to is a great way of coming prepared. Finally, dig a little bit deeper into the roles and the people that you'll be working with. This research can help inform your questions, but it also allows you to speak more intelligently throughout the interview process. Lesson five, play the numbers game. Most of the people I talk to who are looking for jobs will apply to five, six, maybe eight different jobs. And the reality is that's just not enough. Most employers will get hundreds, in some cases, thousands of applicants for a single role. And if a candidate is only applying to five or eight, the numbers just don't add up. A suggestion that I have is to go wide, applying to a large number of organizations, but then for 10%, go deep, getting more creative, going above and beyond to not only apply to a role, but to really be persistent and look for other opportunities to get your foot in the door. Go wide and then go really deep on about 10%. Lesson number six is all about the organization that you are applying to. Optimize the organization is level six. There are different types of businesses and we're going to talk through a few of those different types. And it's worth recognizing that your skills and abilities, even if this is your first job in technology, could speak to the type of business that you are trying to work at. So when we think about the type of business, there are product companies that software engineers can work at. There are service shops. And then there are roles where technology is really a support function of other things that that organization does. So a product company sells certain technology, a service shop will build technology for other businesses. And then in a support capacity, those businesses use technology to equip other work that they do. Those are three different types of businesses. Each has different expectations. The next is the size of the business. Are you applying to a startup, which is small team, very early stage, though anticipating large growth? a small to medium-sized business. Maybe this was family-owned or they've been in business for a long time. And then there's a corporation. Big business, proven track record, uh, much more complex, sophisticated, but also way more uh, predictable and with more systems and process. So those are different size businesses that you can apply to. Startups, 
small to medium-sized businesses, and corporations. The next element to consider as you're optimizing the company you're applying to is the type of role. Are you applying to a role as an individual contributor, as a people manager, or as a principal? An individual contributor is somebody who is uh, running the play and a software engineering capacity there writing the code. The people managers are the ones who are managing the players and the progress of the play. And then the principal is the one who ultimately creates the play. If you are early on in your career, odds are you're not looking for a position as a principal within a business. But even if you're transitioning into technology, you might have past experience in people management and it doesn't typically require as much uh, depth of knowledge and track record of experience as, say, an individual contributor. So there's three separate paths within a company that you might be optimizing your job hunt around. And then lastly, what type of customer do they serve? Are they serving a consumer? Are they serving other businesses? Or are they serving enterprise customers? As you optimize the companies that you're looking for, it's worth considering that the size and shape of these different organizations will be looking for a different set of skills. This is also a great way of reappropriating past experience into a technology context. Lesson number seven, work LinkedIn. LinkedIn is incredibly hot right now, and most people think that it's pretty lame, which maybe it is. Most people think that it serves as a brochure or a resume, which it does that as well. But there is so much value in posting unique content to LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a platform that wants users to come, to engage, and to spend a lot of time on site. So naturally, they reward users who help that happen. There's tremendous value in not only having your LinkedIn profile up to date, which you should, reaching out to new people who you may not know, to build connections, which you should, but also posting. Right now, about 5% of users are actually posting on LinkedIn, which leaves a lot of opportunity for people to share their thoughts, their learnings, or engage through posting content. So much opportunity is created simply because people don't do it. Lesson number eight, focus your portfolio. Many software engineers and developers that I talk to spend a lot of time building their portfolio site rather than adding pieces to their portfolio. They are constructing the place that all of their information will live rather than adding new items for employers to review. There's a lot of value in finding a theme, something where another person has come up with the style and the aesthetic, and then using that to put in all of your different information. Rather than getting bogged down creating the actual place for your information, using that time that you save, investing and in making your portfolio pieces even better. Lesson number nine is play to your strengths. For me personally, I know that the context that I want to live is somewhere at the intersection of business, technology, social impact, and education. Those four things come together for me in a sweet spot. So as I look for opportunities where I want to spend my time, my energy, things that look like that 
should get more time and attention because I speak that language. I'm interested in it. My passion is pretty clear as it relates to business, technology, social impact, and education. Those are my strengths. And when I interact with people in those areas, it becomes clear that this is something that I not only enjoy, but invest a lot of time and energy into getting better at. Lesson number 10, ignore the rules. There is a difference between breaking the law and breaking the rules. In the hiring process, there are a lot of unwritten rules. Most people apply, wait for a response, and then do that over again. Apply, wait, repeat. As you look for a job, there is value in ignoring those traditional unwritten rules and finding ways to show up and to stand out in the eyes of potential employers. There's nothing that says you can't look up their HR director and reach out directly via LinkedIn or find their email online and send them something that is personalized and from you that showcases what you could provide to their organization. Now, the last thing that I have to say about hacking the hiring process, call this a bonus lesson. Always counter. If you get to the spot in the hiring process where you get an offer, the organization has invested a lot of time and energy in you getting you to this spot. It is very unlikely that you are going to make a counter offer and they're just going to throw up their hands and quit. No. At this moment, the worst thing that tends to happen is an employer will respond back and say, we just can't do that. Our original offer is final. As a candidate looking for a job, this is your last opportunity to advocate for yourself and your salary that you will likely get for the next 12 to 24 months. When you are in the hiring process, and if you are made an offer, always counter. The risk is way lower than most people realize. But the potential upside is a benefit that you will feel every single month. There you have it, 10 lessons for hacking the interview process. You don't have to try them all. The goal here is excellence, not perfection. But I'm sure if you try some of these, you will stand out in the eyes of employers. Good luck. Thanks for listening to Effectively Human. Want to join in on the conversation? Submit your questions on effectivelyhuman.tech to hear them on the show. And of course, subscribe so you never miss a beat.